HavanaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. Hi everybody, welcome to Top 8 Magic. This is Brian David Marshall Sutcliffe. <laughs> <laughs> We've been called that before. Yeah. yeah. Um, I am here in Dublin for Pro Tour Theros. I am separated from Mike. I'm having a little anxiety about it, so I needed to podcast. And Marshall was kind enough to sit in. And, uh, well, you know, since Mike's not here, we get to talk about Limited on the Top 8 Magic podcast yeah, for a change. Yeah, I, I like that, because I listen to your guys' show religiously, but there's not enough Limited content on there. But, it's my I mean, only complaint. You hear what he does to me, right? You hear the abuse yes. I take when I try to talk about Limited or even Commander. Well, there's more important topics. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the intense lyrics of Taylor Swift. <laughs> Are you, you with know? me on the Taylor Swift thing? You know, it's interesting. Uh, I was listening to you guys' debate about that, and uh, I wouldn't say I'm with Mike. <laughs> But I think that he he has a point that she she definitely brings more to the table than she seems on the surface, okay. but that she does not deserve to be put in the pantheon that he puts her in. Like you just, in my mind, the genre is important. And even if you're really good at a genre, the genre has a limitation, right? And and, the, and it's a pretty low one. In the elevator only pop. goes so many floors. Right. High. Even if you're at the top of that, you're still on the third floor. <laughs> That's exactly the floor. I was thinking. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. We're we're in we're in ratings alignment. Right yeah, now. we are. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's how I saw it from from that. I I I, I thought your approach was <laughs> was really funny though, just dismissive and mean to him. Yeah, that's how I roll. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we're probably as this is recording, maybe ten, twelve hours away from the first yeah. Pro Tour Theros draft. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And we've been, you know, doing our research diligently. Yeah, I was actually just out talking with the uh, the players who are in line for the player meeting right now about about some of their approaches. Yeah, and uh, and and drafting ourselves uh, is yeah. what I was. Oh, you mean at. work research? Yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> work related expenses. Yeah, <laughs> we've been doing our part. Um, what, what's your what's your early take on the format? Like, how how much is or how about this? How much has the format changed for you? since you started drafting. Like, we have first perception of the format yeah. and where the format's at now, like, two weeks later. Yeah, so my, my real initial early stuff was I thought it looked really slow. Um, I looked, I did a, a, an article about the removal in the format, and it's not great, right? I mean, no. it's, it's kind of expensive and clunky, and, and it's not a, a one of those sets that has a lot of cheap uh, instant speed removal. And, and the cheap instant speed removal? Mm-hmm doesn't kill entire classes of animals. No, it, exactly. And that's a key. That's a huge thing. So so my initial assumption was that it would be slow. After having played it for a while, um, I've thrown that out somewhat. To me, I, I view this format as an average format, which what I mean by that is there are fast decks, there are slow decks, there are mid-range decks. Everything is represented in some level on this. Uh, you know, if you look at a format like M14, that's not the case. There was no fast deck. Like, you, right. it just wasn't there, right? I mean, it was a slow format. And I think that you could talk about the format as a whole as being slow. Here, saying that this is an X format doesn't get you anywhere. Because you sit down, and if somebody tells you it's a slow format, and they go turn one red guy, turn two red white guy, and just start beating you down, you're like, why did you tell me this was slow? Like, there's clearly a fast deck in the format, but, but, right? But... Turn one white guy, turn two white guy. Is that the only fast deck in the format to your mind? Or? No, I mean I've seen a couple, a couple of others. Also, there's a new kind of speed, which is like the bestow, or 
it's usually heroic deck. But bestow cards can also be fast. It's, it's kind of interesting how you can have what looks like a pretty normal curve, and your opponent can think that they've stabilized, and then on turn four or five, four, there's not that many bestow, but there's a few creatures that bestow for four, and there's quite a few for five. And all of a sudden, you've enabled an attack this turn that wasn't going to happen normally. Right. And, uh, you know, they can present threats that are pretty big pretty quickly. Ho- Hopeful I- Eidolon is an interestingly named card because it really <laughs> breaks your spirit sometimes. It does. Hopeful <laughs> Eidolon is fantastic. Uh, I know our friend uh, Jake Van Lunen takes it really, really high. He thinks it's fantastic, and I happen to agree with him on that. Also, the Belfort. Eidolon, the, the black version that has Death Touch. I, completely different gear, completely different direction, but holy crap, that Bel- card's Belfall, good. Belfall Eidolon is currently my number two black common. Wow. Yeah. I don't blame you. I mean, it does everything that the black decks want to do. Right. That's I, the key. I, I want a Grey Merchant of Asphodel. Yeah. I want it more than anything. That's right. the card I want to open, right? Like, yeah. that's the deck. Um... Then I kind of want, I just want to buy time to get myself set up. Yeah. And Balfour Eidolon does such a great job of that. I, do you want to know what my third best black common might be at this point? What is it? Um, might be Sip of Hemlock. Oh, really? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm really torn about it. Yeah. I hate the card, right? I, I, I don't like it. the card either. I hate but it, I hate it, I hate it. I cannot disagree with you. I had Lash of the Whip as my number one black common when I did my, like, pre-release week preview. Yeah, I remember. I'm like, this is going to be the best card in black, right? It's removal. It's sure, it's a little expensive. But at least it's instant speed. But at least it's instant speed. It it, it kicks... The problem is, it doesn't take care of a guy who's monstrous. No, and it also doesn't take a bestowed. And it doesn't take care of a bestowed guy, right. And where Sip of Hemlock is just like, you know what? I don't care if you, you know... Monstrous, your Polychronos. Yep. I'm going to play my six land, and I'm going to kill it. Yes, I, I have. I feel the same way. Like if, if looking at it on paper, Sip of Hemlock is kind of miserable, right? Like we we'll get five and six mana cost. Uh, unconditional removal spells uh, in black somewhat often, and they're usually playable but unexciting. They're the card that you take and you're like, it'll probably make the cut, but I don't really want to run it, and I think Sip definitely fills all those roles, but I just, it feels like the tool that you need to get the job done. Like, yeah. I, I've ran two of them. I don't think I've ran three yet, but <laughs> but I mean... Yeah, is the key word. In the yeah, sentence. like, I'm moving in that direction as opposed to back down to one. Yeah. Well, one of the things that's been really interesting to me, and when you again, this if, this is I guess against the the backdrop of talking about removal, is what a <laughs> someone just waved a box of Theros at us, uh, Pro Tour photographer left. extraordinaire. Yeah. Yeah, you almost left. Yeah. I almost walked away from my iPad. Yeah. <laughs> um, is is the, the idea that the removal? So like Magma Jet's awesome. Yes. But, you know, there's some decks where it's just not that good against Yeah, against it's them. absolutely true. Last yeah. Breath is terrible against mm-hmm. some decks, yes. awesome against other decks. Yes. Lash of the Whip, maybe not so great against the Heroic deck, but, man, you're really going to need it against this other deck. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, a lot of the players are just talking, or, or, or just starting Disenchants, mm-hmm. just starting Enchantment removal. Yeah, I've come to a conclusion on that. So normally I put them in the category where it's like, uh, you will begrudgingly run one in your 23, like if you just, like maybe in a core set or something like that, where you're like, you have it in your hand and you're like, oh, just give me a target. Like, point, put anything on the table and I will snap it off, right? Like, all, you, all you're concerned about is finding something to hit with it. In this set, though, thanks to Bestow, that's not the case. And, and I knew that going in, so I thought we'll probably run a, want to run one. Right. I don't know about two. I've revised it a little. I just I, I just turned the knobs on that on that assessment because I found it to be true. The first one, I'm quite happy to run, um, but the the requirement that I've come up with is 
I only run the instant speed ones. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, the Fade Into Antiquity, fine magic card, but I don't run it in the main. Well, he, here's the thing. So the only way to get a two-for-one right now yes. on a bestowed creature <laughs> yeah. is with instant speed and chamber movement. Yes. Kill the bestowed creature in combat, and you can set up a two-for-one. It's right. really hard. It's still it's not It's very easy. tricky. Yeah. yeah. So that means that, you know, naturalize goes up in that way. We have... There's a few other things, and this is a little bit of a trap. There are some cards that are targetable by that kind of spell, but aren't really worth a card. For example, if your opponent has played Scourge Mark on their creature and drawn the card, like, sure, if the, if the spot brings it up, but it's not like you would bring in Naturalize for that, right? right? right, the, right, right. The, the damage is done. You know, same thing often with, um, like, Viper's Kiss. You know, sometimes it's holding down your best guy and you would do it, but other times it's like, eh. I, I'd bring it in. I mean, if, if I'm getting my Ember Swallower or Viper's Kiss, sure. might, you know, my monstrosity. Yeah, I mean, I there are scenarios, but these are just low-impact cards yeah. that, generally speaking, you wouldn't want to be that reactive to. Yeah. I mean, sure, you, you hit them sometimes. You need to do what you got to do. But, you know, but it, it's really the bestow creatures. It, it's, it's right. It's an opportunity two-for-one, or it's just straight-up creature move, right? It's just straight-up Doom yes. Blade against their Thassa's Emissary. That's right, yeah. Right? Sometimes they're like, play this guy on turn four. You're like, okay, Doom Blade it with yep. my, my uh, you know, white disenchant effect. Yeah, and I like Artis and Sorrow quite a bit. It has a Scry, too. You know, no, I, mean, I haven't played Scry since uh, M11 or whenever it last was in. And it's interesting how it's, it's it's really interesting to me how much I pay attention to whether it's Scry one two or in the rare case it is three three now. I mean, I think before it was like I used to view it more like, and then you Scry something like whatever. Like as long as I'm Scrying, I'm happy. But now I don't view it that way at all. Like Scry one is like cool. Like right. you get a thumbs up from me. Yeah, you know, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm happy to Scry one. But when I get to Scry two, like. I'm starting to feel like a powerful mage, you know? Yeah. And when I crack in there with that prognostic <laughs> sphinx, I'm oh, just well. like flexing above oh, you, yeah. like, you know, <laughs> what can you do? Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, right, it gives you more control. It's just more control over your game. Yeah. The fate of your, you know, you, you, there's more in your hands. You can feel like, oh, I, well, I guess I shouldn't have pushed that land to the bottom of my deck. Yeah. It, it was interesting. I was just talking to Brad Nelson, mm -hmm. player of the year, who's playing uh, at the Spur Tour, working with the, the Team Star City guys. And we were talking about limited, and he was talking about uh, draft. And he just always runs 18 lands in this format. Mm -hmm. He's just like, I just always run 18 lands. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because his reasoning for that, which is the opposite of the reasoning I've heard from a lot of people who haven't won the player of the year title, mm -hmm. yeah. is that he has scry. Oh, okay. so, so he would rather just have the extra lands. Mm -hmm. He would rather be able to push those lands away mm -hmm. in the mid game. Uh, whereas sometimes a lot of people will be like, well, you know, like if I have like this many scry cards, I can kind of count that as a land. Kind of cut a land. Find, but then that means you're pushing lands and you're doing stuff on turns where. So it was just kind of an interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. An interesting take on because I'm I'm on the 18 land plan myself. Yeah. I have found, and and this is something that was probably probably pretty clear and I just didn't notice it you know before but I, you just always have places to put your mana in this set yes. you just always do like you're, you're gonna have a monstrous thing that's gonna suck up seven or eight mana later you're gonna have stupid sip of hemlocks in it in your hand that you're going sure. to want to hit as soon as you can you know turn seven turn yeah, eight you like have, you're gonna you have, nail you have, it you have something like Thassa's Emissary which yes. is a you know bestow seven yes right right you know? and, and, and that is these are things that I want to be doing also some of the bomb rares my favorite one is Abhorrent Overlord that guy costs I had seven. I card last night. Uh, 
I I three owed. Yeah, I mean, you know. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that like a born overlord and Elspeth is an argument. Elspeth is probably better because it costs six. If I could get if a born overlord costed six and you put it next to Elspeth, if it costs six, I don't think it's actually a question. I, I don't think it's even close, right? Well, maybe it's close. It might be maybe close, but close, but Abhorrent Overlord closes out the game so quickly and still stabilizes you from any board state. I mean, Elspeth against Flyers is a little bit of a bummer. In every other case, she's she's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, we're t- obviously splitting hairs, right? I would windmill either one of them first pick and be super happy about it. Right. But it is interesting talking about the casting cost because I feel like I'm going to get to seven. This format, generally speaking, you're not going to get, like, the, the black deck has the tools to keep that really quick deck from killing you before then. Right. But one thing that has come up recently, uh, talking with the pros and also uh, doing coverage at uh, GP Oklahoma City, I, I got a lot of feel for this, which I did not expect, and I don't know why because it makes perfectly logical sense now, is ramp. Uh, I kind of just disregarded the ramp cards at first. I'm like, yeah, Voyage Insider's fine. Like, you'll run it, whatever, right? Right, And, like, the Unicorn, I'm like, probably not, but maybe there's a deck that wants it. And it's like, now, like, I play those every time I have them in my my deck for the You always play the Unicorn? I've been playing it. I I mean, so I play... I've only had it twice. I definitely play Unicorn in certain decks, Mm -hmm. but I'm never happy about it. Okay. Um, But when I did my predictions, I I kind of, like, I looked at the common artifacts, because I was only picking... Putting commons, thing. yeah, 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 and I could not find commons that I was excited yeah, about. There's nothing real. And I was exciting. like, Fleet Feather Sandals might yeah, be. It can do stuff, you know. But I'm like, I'm never gonna first pick it. But I was like, maybe, fle- but it would have been open. It should have been open line unicorn. Yeah, I think as, so. Is it like a card I could conceivably see myself picking first? Yeah. Out of a second or third pack in a deck where I'm like, well, I have all this monstrous. Uh-huh. I have all this, you know. A couple times I've had a deck with Metamai the Ageless, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm like, but I'm not blue white like I'm. Um, you know, white, blue, and yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm like blue, green, and I'm splashing white for yeah. the eye or something like that. Yeah, yeah, because you rarely get punished with with the unicorn. I mean, it it is worse. I mean, two to four is because four is an, an important milestone in this format. Right. Three to five is fine, but it's not as it just doesn't have the same punch, right? You know, as two to four, but still, I mean, I I think that. I just, like, I personally underestimated the ramp cards and have now adjusted, and I'm really happy for it. Voyaging Seder yeah, it's is solid. at the top mm-hmm. of many players' green pick orders right now. Yeah, like, we, they're like, this is the green common I pick first. Yeah, so I I've had... I like Leaf Crown Dryad. Yeah, so I've had chats, and th- this is these are the three. These are the ones that everybody talks about when it comes to the green commons. It's Nessie and Asp. Leaf Crown Dryad and Voyaging Seder. And I was actually just out at dinner with some of the guys. What about, what about John Grisham's Time to Feed? Uh, it's fine. I think it, I think it's lower on most people's list than it should be, but I don't right. think it should be in the discussion with those three cards. So here's the thing about Nessie and Asp. Uh-huh. I, I love Nessie and Asp, yeah. but I feel like it is, it's like a St. Louis Cardinals outfielder. It's utterly replaceable. Oh, okay. It's just, <laughs> like just, it's just utterly interchangeable. Yeah, see, I don't agree with that. I mean, I, yeah, it has reach. It's and, so good. Like, it's I, just I agree stabilizing. But I, but I feel like then there's, you know. Like, nothing does the same role. I feel like there's a red, the red 5-4 guy that has monstrous. There's, like, I feel like there's a handful of cards I can put in there. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I don't want the Nessie and Asp. No, I'm I saying, like, like, if it was a choice between time to feed and Nessie and Asp. Yeah. I'm going to take time to feed. Oh, really? See, see, this is Because I'm going to get something Because you like Voyaging Seder better too, right? I do. I do. So here's, here's, this is a philosophical question. Pack one, pick one. You've got Voyaging Seder and Nessie and Asp, right? Now, power level aside, there's also a decision that you have to think about, which is like, do I want to take the thing that enables me to do things or the thing that is being enabled, right? right? And and for me, I take the Asp because I want to have 
you know, the cart and the horse, and there's some analogy that, that I'm trying to reach for right, here, but right. you, you know what I mean? Like, this I want to be able this to... This is do... like the hoplite versus triton tactics. Yes. <laughs> right? Like, these are, these are things you both want, but when it comes to the actual decision on a pack one, pick one, because now it's relevant, right? Like, you can say, I think the Voyage Satyr's a more useful, better magic card, but if you don't have anything to ramp into, it doesn't do anything. Right. And for me... That's why the tiebreaker goes to the Asp, because the Asp is, it's not like it's hard to cast. You're Rash- gonna, it's four and a green. Rashad Miller is looming over us, and I can tell he's disapproving of your dislove of the Voyaging Seder. But he's not saying anything. He's just, he's, he's, just, just pan- he's just pantomiming he is. He's that, just, uh, <laughs> that dislove. He said, his pantomime was, I'm staying out of this. <laughs> <laughs> but I already know what in his heart he is taking Voyage and Yeah, Seder he's taking now. Voyage and Seder, and he just knows he's going to ramp into something in any one of the three or four colors he's playing. <laughs> I actually played one of Rashad's deck. We, we all came in, and, you know, we're in a over in Europe and, and that's a lot of time zones for most of us and we're pretty tired and he's like oh, I'm going to bed you can play my deck so he hands me his deck he's I see mountains and forests in the deck and I'm like okay yeah green red that's a sweet strategy and I'm going through the deck and I'm like yeah a lot of green cards in this deck there's a lot of and there's one red card in the whole deck he essentially drafted mono green and uh, I had some mixed results with it. I've, I've, done, I've done mono green. It hasn't it hasn't worked out that well for me. So, was, dude, mono black, <laughs> mono, mono black. Yeah. yeah. Well, we you know I did a green black draft the other day. You looked at the deck and you're like, wow, this deck looks awesome. Yes. But then I had, my you, only critique was the the removal. Right, and I didn't have the removal, and uh, your deck was sweet otherwise. Yeah, but it was it couldn't win a match. Yeah, because <laughs> because you, you need something to be able to reach out on either side of the board and get them because like your overall card quality was really high for that yeah. deck you also had a nice curve you yeah. had high end you had low end like you had all your bases covered except for reach out and kill that removal right and right. that's uh, I mean it's critical and it was, in- and it was interesting because it, it affected my next couple drafts I haven't actually lost a match since then you've been smashing since <laughs> yeah. then. seems like, reasonable oh, oh this freak is cure yeah I'll take this yeah I, I was playing, I've been playing blue-green quite a bit. I love, I love blue-green. Yeah, I opened a Horizon Chimera in one of our drafts, and while normally I wouldn't take it because I like, if there's comparable uh, monocolored cards, I'll usually take those because it's just safer and it keeps me a little more open, and my style is, I'm very open. Like, I, I do some draft videos, and uh, a couple of my friends have watched it, and they're like, you've changed, man. <laughs> I'm like, what? Because <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm not you know, thinking those terms, but they're like, you're like five picks in, and you still haven't even figured out what colors you are. And I'm like, yeah, that's just how I do it. They're just like, uh-uh. So you, you've just become a gardener? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I've got a lot of seeds growing right now. But anyway, I decided to take the Horizon Chimera because I thought it was a uh, high enough power level. And the beautiful thing about Horizon Chimera is that it's got green in its mana cost, so you can very easily find a way to splash it. Right. You know, if you take a double-colored card first that doesn't have green, I mean, you're either playing it in your deck or you're picking up a Traveler's Amulet or you're not. <laughs> you know, and with green, you've got, like, Nylea's Presence and all these other cards that you can pick up to facilitate right. splashes. What what of the of the ten sort of color pairs... Yeah. Uh, which are the which are the cards that are going to send you down a road most uh, most readily? Yeah, you know that's actually what I've been paying the most attention to now. Is you know how each one has its own card that has a, a, an activated ability of another color in it. Yeah. Um, I've been paying a lot of attention to those because I've got a theory that at least some of those are R and D's way of giving us hints about this is what you want to do in this color pair, right? So let's take a look at like. Um, 
Athrio, the scholar of Athrios. Right. Right. So that's the one four for two and a white, two and a black. You, you really like this card a lot. I think it's really sweet. And uh, I, I think it's a dirtily do nothing. Yeah. I hate it. And and so I here, hate it. here's the thing about this card. So so let's just assume that the strategy is good. Right. Okay. Black white. Well, that could come in many forms. For example, if you look. Oh, here, I'll use an example in a second. Okay, so black-white, let's just assume the strategy is good. So it's a 1-4 for 3. That says to me it wants to block. Okay. And then it's got a kind of expensive activated ability that doesn't require attacking. You know, this feels very Orzov, right? Like yeah, the yeah. strategy Orzov, right? And so for me, that card is like, it's an indicator of what you should be doing in those colors. And I'm like, okay, I'll note that. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not. So then I went over to blue-white. Now, blue-white is usually a controlling or a tempo color, right? It's like, uh, I'm going to make flyers and blockers on the ground, and I'm going to draw some cards and have some removal and kill your guys. If you look at the blue-white one, it's the hoplite, right? right. I think it's a hoplite. Anyway, the, 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 you know the... Favorite the, hoplite? No, the favorite is the one-white, um, battle-wise hoplite. Battle-wise hoplite, yes, yeah, yes, yes, right? So plus one, plus one counters, and you scry when you target it. And I'm like, well, this thing's telling me to be aggressive. So I'm supposed to be heroic and take a lot of cheap scry cards. Yes. I get it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, okay, I'll try that. And that deck has been insane. Yeah, like, that blue-white aggressive deck is really, really powerful. Yeah, a Griptide shines... No yes. better than when it's on the top yes. of your mana curve. Yeah, because that's the thing that I've also been trying to do. Three of my favorite cards and my favorite card types in Limited are, are bounce spells, yeah. right? And so we've got Voyage's End, we've got Griptide, and we've got Sea God's Revenge. And I love all three of those cards. But we are in the world of Bestow. Have you, have you stymied hopes? Stymied hopes? Oh. A Sea God's Revenge yet? No, I stymied <laughs> hopes one thing ever, and it was fantastic. <laughs> I felt so good. <laughs> I'm wondering if I'm underrating that card a little. People do curve out. Well... So, so, I mean, just the sort of tenor of our discussion, which has been talking uh-huh. about, like, you'll get to six mana, you'll get to seven yeah. mana. Doesn't sound like you have a lot of extra mana when you're casting those spells. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I had to cast a Born Overlord last night against Sean Gibbons to must not resolve. die. Yeah. This must resolve. Yeah. And, like, he had blue, and I'm like, if he has a stymied host, yeah. I am going to cry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't, <laughs> didn't want to see cry. you cry, and he didn't either, so it resolved, but... Yeah, but I mean, the thing about the, the bounce spells is that I've been trying to make sure that I have some pressure when I fire them off. Because yeah. the defensive Sea God's Revenge is no fun. That is right. not the way you want right. to do that at all. You really... So I've been pairing it with green most mostly because you can have a pretty basic curve where you just do, like, some two-drop, maybe the, the one of the saviors or something. Yeah. yeah, and then you play, like... Uh, a courser, you know, just a 3-3, three, three, and then, like, pick a 4-drop, I don't care, right? right? Or maybe a 5, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And now, all of a sudden, Sea God's Revenge is devastating. I mean, you just, boom, and you hit them for 8, and, like, they're looking at their hand trying to figure out how to rebuild, and your stuff's just bigger than yeah. them. You know, I've also ran Sea God's Revenge in, like, black, and it, was, it wasn't as good. Like, right. probably still run it, but it just didn't have right. the same punch. If it doesn't combo with, like, opponent, Return Phalanx. If your opponent has an opportunity to set up one or two creatures mm-hmm. with Bestow, Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, Sea God's Revenge is just like, okay, yeah. put those creatures back in your. And sometimes it's a bestowed creature yeah. that has a bestowed creature on it. Yes. And like, I'm going to put these guys like, I'm just going to yeah. do this all over again. I can't remember who asked yesterday, but somebody asked if, if we had had the pleasure of uh, doing a Sea God's Revenge where our opponent had more creatures <laughs> <laughs> than well, before. I, I definitely, my turnaround moment on Bestow uh-huh. was I was playing blue black. Mm-hmm. I, I think I even called you after the draft. You did, yeah, yeah. We t- <laughs> 
much for a while, yeah. <laughs> and I had like Night Howler. Yeah. And I had the what's what's the three three guy that you discard cards and uh, Erebus's emissary. Erebus's emissary. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Erebus's emissary. And I had. Uh, Nimbus Nyads uh-huh. yes. and Fast Emissary. And like I had some just collection uh-huh. all stacked into one basket. Like, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. like a whole dozen eggs. Yeah. And like my opponent and I'm just bashing in. And then my opponent sort of like I don't even remember what the details were, but like suddenly I needed to go wide. Yes. And I'm just like, okay, voyages and my own base oh <laughs> guy. And it's who just I like can a spawn of just creatures. S- suddenly I have like three or four creatures out. I get to untap. <laughs> I like go wide, and, by the way. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> and then like re- re-equip with the bestow guy. and yeah. uh, Oh, and scry one. Yeah, oh, and scry one. Yeah, yeah. The, I, the, that's the funny part about the expensive spells in this set is the uh, the, the rub-in scry, right? The, oh. The, like, oh, I'll play Sea God's Revenge and I'm going to be attacking you down to two, but before that, you get to watch me scry. <laughs> It's supposed to be agonized over yeah. these two I'll cards. Put this one back on top, and it's just like, no. <laughs> Seek God's Revenge, keep two on top. Yeah. It's, just, it's so mean when you when you, when you you do the, the six-mana spell scry and then put one back. You know, it's just such a beating. But, yeah, I don't know. The format's been uh, – I'm really curious. I, I think that the, that the Pro Tour here is going to give us a better picture of kind of how things have really shaken out because, to me, it's not settled. Uh, I've been asking pros and our com- – commentating everybody i've been asking you just poking around different questions and i've been getting different answers across the board just people think it's fast people think it's slow people think this card's good how many commons do you think are better than wingsteed rider uh under, i mean I, under I, 10 yeah probably um, i'd put it in the top 10 under five like this is right about I, I I mean just off the top of my head like I can't I don't I can't picture cards like you guys can like sure. where you're like is this a top best common I'm like I need to see a list of the commons sure but but I think that like just and guess, as you know as put, a listener we don't look stuff up on yeah the no no <laughs> for, I even have my laptop here but I will not do it <laughs> out of homage to you and Mike no I, I put it in the five to six range just off the top of my head like yeah I mean it's it's a quality it's, card it's, it's the card that's been in. The top five picks of the most winning decks on Magic Online. Is that right? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, interesting. It, it is. It is far and away so an you, indicator of successful decks. Oh, on that's Magic re- Online. oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I would have put it as a powerful card, but I wouldn't have put it in that vein. That's yeah. I, that's I, curious to me. I'm. I want to. <laughs> like, I mean, I. I because you were on the heroic deck since day one. Yeah, yeah, like I, since I, day zero, you yeah. were like, dude, heroic. You know. I evaluate cards against Wingsteed Rider in terms of how I Is that right? Set. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, you know, there's a Wingsteed Rider and a rare. Uh-huh. Which, am I going to take the rare over the Wingsteed Rider? And you love it. I love it. Wait I love it. it. I love it. It's just, Wingsteed it Rider into, Balfour, into Hopeful Eidolon is uh-huh. just, That's a you know, for, just like a Sarah Angel. Uh, or, and an unraceable threat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was it you? I can't remember who asked, but there was a big discussion about... Um, Heliod's emissary versus. Oh yeah, that was me. I was I, that was on yeah, Twitter. Th- I asked that at my local shop, and I asked that um, among my friends, and that was one of the best. You got to see so much about how people thought about things, about card evaluation, about what they knew about the format. Like I, I don't think that you could just take any two cards in the format and do that. But for some reason, those two, that question just. It was great for me. Like yeah. just you know for doing the podcast and stuff like that. I was just like. 
I got so much out of did that get, one question. Did you get any consensus out of it? No. Yeah. No way. Not even close. So, like it wasn't. It didn't even start to veer. And I would like play devil's advocate and be like, they'd, you know, I just have like a, a line set up for either to, to react to either one that they chose. And uh, no, no, didn't. Can, nobody was convinced to change. Right. Um, I, I will say, Ka- Kai Buddha advocated for Hilliard's emissary. Uh huh. I was uh, also Sa- on the he- Sa- emissary. Plan. Sam Black was Wingsteed Rider. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Just to, you know, he was like, so. In fact, Sam relayed the Kai information to me on Twitter, and he was just like, so probably Kai. Okay. <laughs> he was like, probably emissary, but I, I think I feel like Wingsteed Rider has gained momentum. I feel like if you polled people today, mm-hmm. uh, you'd see more Wingsteed Rider people. Emissary was 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 largely favored in my social media. Oh, uh, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the the one that surprised me is I. Was uh, I also asked the follow up question because it was from the same draft that that question had come up. Mm-hmm. Was your red white heroic mm-hmm. pack two? Mm-hmm. You get past the pack with magma jet, lightning strike, and ordeal of porphyros. Yeah. And, and what do you take? Yeah. So for me, uh, ordeal's out. Like if it's I not can, in the it's not in the equation. If I can have a lightning strike, like I will just look. So there's sometimes when I think it's correct to push towards um, synergy-based picks, right? Yeah. Where, like, it, it says target my creature, it does other stuff, I'll take it. As it turns out, that ordeal is probably the best one, yeah, yeah. right? So so there's that. But there's also, on the other side of the coin, there's outright power level. Now, normally speaking, you know, like Rashad goes around calling people card pickers or deck builders now. He's like, oh, you're just a card picker, you know. <laughs> so, which is actually a reflection on your on your thing um, on the uh, the uh, what was it we talked about last time? I can't remember how we framed it, but anyway, it, uh, it, the architect or gardener, yeah, yeah, architect yeah. gardener. So it's like you know, you're looking at it like, um, am I looking at this from a from a whole deck Val- perspective? Value trading while drafting, <laughs> yeah, or am I looking at it from just individual card quality? You know, and I think that. What you should this is why I don't like do. to sit next to a shot in the draft because we're both deck builders and we draft, and we end up like seeing the same signals, mm-hmm. and then just we just, just train each other. Each we other. just have two train wreck decks. Yeah, but so for me, it's like you've got the ordeal, which is solid, right? It's going to go in the deck. It's going to it's going to perform well, and it's going to work well with the deck the best. So what that means is an equal card in the vacuum is going to get thrown to the side easily, right? But if a card creeps up high enough on power level and un, you know no conditions just good, then it's going to overtake the ordeal. And and I think that lightning strike does. I don't know if magma jet does. I'm not as big on magma jet. For me, out of the pick, I'm taking lightning strike. Right. Magma jet got a couple of nods here and there from people who just love scry. Yeah, and, and scry I, two is pretty exciting it's, it's early very in strong. the game. It's very like, strong. But but uh, people get a little. I like Scry. I don't love Scry. I like drawing cards. I mean, I love drawing yeah, yeah. cards. You know, I, I've, I've I've fallen in love with all the chess Scourge, uh, you know, Scourge Mark, Fate Foretold. They're fantastic. Uh, chosen by Helia. What do you think or, of the red one? The uh, fire breathing. Even one? the fire breathing. I love all of them. You, do you know what Sam Black told me? What's that? He said he thinks it's the best red common, maybe. Like he he was thinking, or maybe he said second best, but like it is way high on his list, and that card has overperformed for me too. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it, like it's when you make terrific. it air quotes free, it's like whoa, 
You know, it. I mean, it does everything you want. It gets in more damage. It triggers your heroic. It's it draws free. you a card, and it's essentially free. I mean, so, it's very, sometime, very cheap. Sometimes it's uh, put a plus one, plus one counter on my creature for R. Yes. Which you would play. It can trip. Yeah, yeah. 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 Draw a card. Like, I would play that all day. Like, you just have to make sure you have an opening so you don't get blown up. All right. So, so you and I have talked about a couple different things uh, on the podcast. We've talked about uh, Architect versus Gardner. We talked about Prince and Pauper. We talked about I Taylor think, Swift. I think we agree that this is a pauper format, right? But Yes. Um, one of the things that, that came up was, I think, and this came up in the idea of um, Wing, Wing Steed Rider versus Heliod's, Heliod's Emissary, Emissary. Mm-hmm. was this idea that Heliod's Emissary is just sort of a safer pick, right? Yes. And, and to me, that sort of came down to like the idea of, and, and it's the same thing with Ordeal of Porphyros yes, versus this is the Lightning same Strike. Scale. The same, same scale. scale. Yeah. It's the idea that you're 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 working the count, like just to go back to a baseball reference. Uh-huh. It's like you're working the count. You're like, well, I'm going to take this lightning strike, and I'm going to see what happens. Yes. Maybe I can fit this in. And even if I'm a green blue deck, I know that I'm going to get a little bit of mana fixing. Yeah. And I can play this, and it'll be really good. And I don't think that that card will have a, as good a place in my in that deck. Uh, I think that this might be a format where you're first of all, it's super deep, right? Like you're getting cards. 12th, 13th, yes. that are absolutely playable. Yeah, haven't been off on playables yet. Yeah. I feel like I want to just swing at a first pitch fastball. Yeah. You I just feel want to, like you I just want to get a like, hold of one. And... I like Wingsteed Rider. This is a card that people are just winning with online, right? This yeah. is the card. So, I mean, if I see a Wingsteed Rider mm-hmm. and I see a Heliod's Emissary, I'm like, whatever. Whatever Heliod's Emissary. And just I want to take it. the Wingsteed Rider and I just want to be like, I'm going to plant my flag yeah. in Heroic. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If three picks in, I haven't seen anything yeah. that makes me want to stay here. Mm-hmm. I'll move on. Yeah. Or, or I won't be, or I might be a deck that's not heroic, but is a white deck that, yeah. you know, Wasted Rider's just fine in a deck. See, that's that's the thing that, that, that this particular one is like, I mean, the fact is Wingsteed Rider is a Windrake. And you would run yeah. that. Like, right, even if right, it didn't exactly. have any other text. I've played that card. I've played 2-2 Fire for three all the time. Quite happy about it. So... The, the interesting thing is they're both solid cards with upside. Yeah. One costs a little more, and one goes into a specific deck better, and the other one is goes into any deck that plays its color, and it's really powerful. I mean, Bestow is Bestow's really good. You know, like I'll play almost anything with Bestow on color. I don't. I mean, are there any unplayable Bestow cards? I don't think so. And you know, the cheaper they get, the better they are. I, I, I don't. I don't. I actually don't think there is. Yeah. They didn't yeah. even throw us a, a stinker. You know, like at first glance, Baleful Eidolon and Hopeful Eidolon seemed marginal. Seemed marginal. Yeah. You're like, oh, I don't really want to. Yeah, play not these. a big effect. And now I just play them every single time. Yeah. One thing though that I did notice about Baleful Eidolon is that then this is something I realized when I was doing coverage at OKC. It's like the Death Touch has never been better ever. <laughs> like that stupid oh, Scorpion. Said Scorpion might be in my top three green commons. It's unbelievable how much work that card does. Like that guy has so many notches in his belt. You know, after just taking down creature after creature after creature, and uh, yeah, I think I think that that and you know you also see that with the uh, with the Gorgon. The, oh yeah. Uh, it's called now. Okay. Keepsake Gorgon? Yeah, Keepsake Gorgon, which yeah, yeah. is also just really powerful yeah. in itself. But yeah. but Death Touch is the key. So so this is something that's come up. I, I think Rich was asking us about this. So you have a Keepsake Gorgon. Mm-hmm. You play it on five mana. Yeah. You don't have another land in your yeah. hand. Yeah. Okay. You're given an opportunity to trade mm-hmm. with a creature. Something powerful something, or something Something just 
just whatever. Like someone just says. I mean, it's got to have five power yeah, for sure, trading. Sure, yeah. sure, it's five, or it's a, yeah, it's a heroic creature. Uh huh. Whatever, it's something, or it's, or it's a, maybe it could be like a three-seven. Yeah. Centaur. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah. Whatever. Do you just take the trade, or do you try to wait? And get value. Like, are you are you setting yourself up for? Disaster? Yeah, I mean, I consider myself a, a value conscious individual. Yeah, but no, I snap it off. Yeah, I just trade it. I'm like, I'm gonna like to me that is value. Here's right? the like that's what I brought this in for. Here's the thing, also, to, for, for monstrosity is terrifying mm-hmm. to pull the trigger on. Into untapped mana. Oh, it's, it's it's a stress show. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, oh man, I really need to activate this. Uh, if I have anything else cross. I can do, I'll not. Yeah, like I'll just be like, take it, and then you know, because they, they always have to wait. Here, here's the thing about monstrosity: is the creature needs to be there and get the counters mm-hmm. for that trigger to resolve. Uh, is that? Oh, yeah, you're right, huh? Yes. I didn't even think so about that. So your ember swallower, you tap seven mana into your ember swallower. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna screw this person, and they're like. You know, voyages end it. Uh-huh. No one Nothing sacrifices happens. any lands. Oh, yeah, You're just, just tapped seven mana, and you can't recast your Ember Swallower that turn. And, and that's the key, right? Because I've had that play where I grip-tied it or, or bounced a guy after. It was a, an ill-tempered Cyclops. But the, the fact my opponent got greedy, and he went for it, and I had it. And it was like he completely lost the game because of that. Yeah. And, it, and the key is that he could not replay it that turn because, the you know, the monstrous costs are expensive. And yeah. so then it's the next turn play it. And then the next and turn, right. Monstrosity, and I'm like, yeah, I drew like three cards since then. Like, you're, that is you not You know happening. how many times I've scribed yeah, since then? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, so the tapping sound you hear is Rashad Miller waiting for us to draft. Yeah. I, so uh, this is going to be a sli- slightly shorter podcast. We don't, we didn't, but, but fewer digressions. Mm, yes. We, so, we didn't even talk NBA. Oh, man. We could, <laughs> sorry, Rashad. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to give me hell because I'm a Nets fan. I mean, I, I think there's going to be an I mean, I'm surprised you let me on the show with that knowledge. Yeah, I know. I mean, i got to work with two of you. The first time I, I had my Nets hat on and I saw you, I hadn't seen you in like two weeks. I'm like, BDM, you walked up and knocked it off my head. <laughs> <laughs> Good to see you, too. You're like, don't wear that hat in this house or whatever. <laughs> Did you see, you see uh, Nate Holt came in with a, a Brooklyn Nets shirt and yeah. a 76ers Yeah, hat. he's... He's he's really trying pretty hard with that. Who buys a seventy? Have you seen how bad they are? Let me tell you something. If you watch the team, the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers get on their team bus uh-huh. to drive somewhere for a game. Uh-huh. None of them are wearing seventy six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then he kind of he's, his his shirt was actually a mock Kevin Garnett jersey. And I cannot stand. I'm really here's, I'm really mad that he got traded to, to the team that I follow. Here's the thing. Nate can only wear that shirt every other day. <laughs> yeah, his, he had a contract negotiation with his shirt, where his shirt was told him uh, a couple times a week, tops, buddy. Yeah, it's gonna be it's it's gonna be fun. Uh, there's a whole class of bars in the city that mm-hmm. Steve, Satan, and I can all go to because mm-hmm. we are gonna get into a fight. We're just going to get into a fight. Looking to with, do that? No, we're not looking to do that. We're looking to avoid that fight. <laughs> but if we go to those bars, we will get into that fight with some hipster Nets fan. <laughs> Aren't, don't you, they you all know, stay in Brooklyn? You've always kind of been a Nets fan, though, right? No. So you're just a hipster Nets fan? No, yeah. I, so when they, so what happened for me is I'm a Sonics fan, and I still okay, am. Okay, okay, okay. And uh, I, I don't, no, no, look, no, we, no, don't, we don't no, need no, any tears on no your displaced, podcast. No displaced Sonics fans are denied 
fandom yeah. for any team. So yeah, and and I actually just I just quit the NBA for yeah. five years. Like okay. I was gone, and I, it it really hurt. It still does. Like I'm very. I, we were in Oklahoma City. I had my Sonics hat on. I was like. This still matters oh, to us at home. Realize, yeah, like yeah. Seattle people, it's a big, big deal. I mean, I went to games with my dad. Some of my best friendships were formed because of Sonics. You know, it's like it was a big thing. I, I wore number number 40 in high school when I played basketball because of Sean Kemp. Like, this was a thing for me, you know. That's and how many kids he had? <laughs> that's how many known. Yeah, his number <laughs> kept going up. <laughs> Yeah, but then and then but then I wanted to. I missed it, you know, because yeah. I'm a I'm a basketball <laughs> junkie. I've yeah, yeah, played yeah. my whole life, and and I absolutely love the sport. So I decided after I heard that David Stern was going to be retiring, <laughs> that I would uh, start you know dipping my toe back into the NBA pool. And right around that time, the Nets were moving, and they were rebranding. And you know, I was like, this could be cool. Like I'm going to look around, and and I watched a couple of other teams, and I and I liked how the Nets played. They were solid, and uh, I liked some of the players. I, I actually like Darren Williams. I know that you call him Duran or whatever on here and make fun of him, but I actually think he's a, a pretty, like, I think he's an excellent, excellent I mean, player. If you, if you need someone to kill a coach, he's awesome. <laughs> he's also a good basketball player. I don't know if you, yeah, anyway, and I, and I kind of got attached to the net, so I put him on, I got him on League Pass, and I watched all their games last year, and, I, and I'm real excited for this season, but I'm a little nervous. <laughs> I mean, like Jason Kidd's holding a clipboard, like looking around, like, oh, nobody what, what, figures what are out. What the odds he rips the suit off around? I mean, I don't know if I'd want that anymore than <laughs> staying on the side. Uh, I kind of felt bad. I mean, not that he was awful, and, but on your Knicks team, he was. I got two know. words here. I'm telling you, just keep an open mind. Iman Shumpert. Just keep it. I think you will love him. I think. Just, I don't love Iman Shumpert. Just Iman The Shumpert. hair doesn't. It, I'm not swayed just by the watch hair. Watch him play this year. Watch him. Watch All him. Right. Watch him. All right. For Marshall Suck Club, this is Brian David Marshall. Thanks for listening to Top 8 Magic. Sorry, Mike, we didn't talk about Constructed at all. Love you, Mike. Bye.